This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, an unofficial podcast for Leader Games Root. Episode 174, Learning the River Folk Company, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Music by Brian Capillis. Well, we're late. I'll we're tell late. you that much. We're late <laughs> this week. And I, you know how I know we're late is because we're recording it and mm-hmm. we're past the point where we would have Posted put the it. episode yeah. out. <laughs> so there is no distance between us producing this mm-hmm. and you getting it. You, 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 you're pretty much going to listen to it, right? The second we're done, right. it's going to be on its way to your ears. You know how I know we're late? Because our Discord has absolutely told me so. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They, I, I, it's funny. This is a root episode this week, but I saw people being like, it's TI Tuesday. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not how it works <laughs> on root days. Okay. Yeah. Well, they Maybe don't that's know how the we'll schedule. do it. Root will be late right. every it'll time. Always just be, it'll always be a late root episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we I had know. our first weekend of the root tournament um we haven't really talked about it on the podcast and there's gonna be a thing like later on that's kind of different that you're gonna hear but uh the tournament and this show for right now is like officially sponsored by leader games that's yeah uh, hunter that's freaking cool uh yeah. so the tournament specifically uh but also like they're you know they're they were doing their stuff on the show uh they they wanted to partner up it's super exciting um it's kind of the big reason we pushed to do the tournament in the first place. You know, adding another long tournament into our block is not something Hunter and I uh, were always dreaming of doing. It wasn't our big, <laughs> like, amazing pie in the sky thing. It's a thing that takes a lot of work. And so we're super, super happy to have Leader Games supporting us in that endeavor. Oh, it's very, yeah. very exciting. Super love it. Super love all the people uh, at Leader Games. And I just want to say, for the record, Fantasy Flight. <laughs> Balls in your court, okay? right? Exactly. Like, the game has just been the bar has just been raised. Yeah, like we're we're talking to other people. That's where we're at in our relationship right now. I thought we had something special, FFG. I thought, I thought, you know, we were gonna go the distance. That it was it was forever and always. Mm-hmm. But you know, now we're kind of talking to somebody else, yeah. and like they kind of treat us right, you know. <laughs> I like the notion that we're just using leader chips as like a weird bargaining chip. <laughs> <laughs> like just to, just to make just to make them jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean both me and you were both real big fans of the Bachelor program. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yep. That program The Bachelor. And so yeah, we employ a lot of uh I like to call them romance tactics and this is our latest romance tactic. Well, we have got a Riverfolk episode for everybody today, which this one, Hunter, you kind of took the lead on, but I feel like I've been seeing so much Riverfolk. If Riverfolk shows up in a draft in our tournament, it I don't know the actual numbers, but it seems like they always make it in. Like if Riverfolk is available, yeah, oh, they yeah. make it Somebody in. It's like the most him. popular yeah. faction of all root factions in my yeah. mind. Yeah. They're sort of like, 
they're sort of like vagabond, but for some reason you don't get in trouble for playing them. Like, <laughs> right. Well, because there's a certain this? element of if 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 you are broken, if you're a broken river folk, well, it's the table's fault. You didn't do anything. It's, That's it's not, true. The faction's not broken. You you made me this way. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's somehow on everybody else, and you don't get any heat for picking them. With right. them. And that's beautiful. They're the perfect. And I will say, like, like this. This is a day. Yeah. So, so I, I, I wrote a lot of this. However, if you've been paying attention to the streams, yeah. I'm a dumb guy, and I was able to figure out how to play the River Folk. So I kind of want to start us out there. Of mm. like, this is not the most difficult root faction. Nope. It's they're fun. They are. Um, they're not easy like there are no. some things there are some things to avoid that we will cover sure. but i bet you're gonna come out of this episode being like you know what that's actually not that complicated and i think i could do it because yeah. if i can do it you can do it definitely because right. i'm a dumb guy <laughs> I, let me tell you well and the, oh, i man. i think the other story about uh river folk at least from my perspective is any any first game with the river folk added in for like a newer group River Folk are going to win 100%, <laughs> like almost every single time. Right. Because the new players will be so excited that they all get to play with the River Folk's toys that there's no way the River Folk won't get so fed that they just like steamroll everybody else. That is what I've seen multiple times with like a completely yeah. new group. Right. That happened in your group, Matt. Yeah. You were telling me that every time someone played as River Folk, there just was no way Nothing for them not could, to th win. We got past turn like five and it was like, oh, we've oh, we've already done the damage, haven't we? Yeah. It's over. <laughs> Yeah, and honestly, not to, uh, you should totally check out our uh, Root Tournament games that have been played thus far. Um, they are still up on our Twitch as a VOD, and before they come off of our Twitch, they will be on that YouTube uh, probably in the next couple days. Right. Um, so you will, you'll always have access to them forever. And not to spoil anything, but it does kind of seem like at higher levels of play... <laughs> The, the river folk also kind of get out of control. Yeah, like, like it's they kind of... still get fed pretty pretty handily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I want to also throw out there real quick because we forget to do this all the time at the top. Uh, this coming weekend's games are, are a thing that we're going to be doing, and those are at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, both Saturday and Sunday. So if you don't want to yeah. wait for the rundown for that schedule, four more games for our root tournament this weekend, 10 a.m., 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, Saturday and Sunday. All right, Hunter, I am ready to learn about the River Folk Company. Yeah. Okay. So let's start up at the tippity top of it. So you got the cardboard in front. Get out your study guides. Okay. <laughs> you, I want you to reach into your root, your root box and pull out the River Folk Company. We're going to start at the very top. So here's their abilities. The first one's called For Sale, which I, I got criticism right now. Is that really the name of it? Is that what the name of the ability <laughs> there, is for? I feel like root abilities do not follow much of like a logic of like what's the like what's the context of why it is an ability name. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they'll it'll just be kind of random terms thrown out there that feel thematic, but there's no guiding principle to like what it. It's not a form of government, and that's why it's called a, a, a like the thing. It's just like yeah, for sale and swimmers. Why not? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so for sale, uh, you have a public hand. Your hand of cards will always be visible to all the other players. Uh, not much analysis needed there. That's nope. just that's just a thing about them. Okay, mm -hmm. um, swimmers, uh, you you treat rivers as if they were paths, and you may move along rivers regardless of ruler. So so when it comes to the rivers, 
or the lake on the lake map water is yeah. really what it, it just any water right um you don't have to worry about rule so that's their way oh and and i feel like people actually kind of forget about i know i have forgotten about the fact that right. if i'm moving along a river rule doesn't matter um and it and does stick with the theme of our root episodes which is that i guess <laughs> rule only exists for the cats yeah, because every faction has some sort of it. workaround <laughs> And it's funny because it's called rule. Yeah. You'd think you'd think that it'd be like the a major rule, part rule. of the game of this board yeah. game that is about controlling air territory where only one faction is actually inhibited by the ruling of that. I do want to get also super specific on swimmers because it's a thing that my brain tripped up on, which is that moving along the river is the part where the rule doesn't matter, right? So going going from a river to a non-river is not a thing where you can do it no matter what. And moving on yeah. from away from the river onto the river doesn't mean you get to ignore rule. But if you were going from a river destination to a river destination, yeah, buddy. that doesn't matter who rules it. So it's right. it's it's kind of a funky way to think about it, but it, it makes sense if you're just looking at the river as if it's a specific path of its own. So. Right, right. And they are paths. Right. Uh, I have it at various... When I first started playing River Folk, I'm such a dumb guy that for some reason I thought... They could just teleport right. to like any river spot. Right. It just in my head, I just like filled that in. So so don't do don't be as dumb as me. Um, all right, let's get to their setup. Uh, their setup is pretty simple. They get four otter warriors um, that they can place among any clearings uh, connected to a river or the lake or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, we are just gonna go ahead at this point and just recommend that probably there's not really much of a point to spreading them out. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, everybody puts all four of them together. Uh, maybe there's arguments for like three in one and then one supply sells, but, but we're going to be talking about a very um, kind of straightforward approach to otters yeah. that involves building a large, what we call a ball of otter death, like a giant ball of many otter warriors. Mm -hmm. So starting with four in the same clearing is a good start. Um, for that and then the other thing we do that is important is we set our service costs which i'm not even going to talk about right now yeah uh, we'll, we'll talk about services in just a minute uh but you that is worth remembering that you're going to set these costs before we even start playing okay right. yeah I, I think the bigger thing to set up then is before we i think a lot of times we dive right into like bird song and stuff but this time there's there's like a whole economic system at work with the river right. folk that we kind of need to lay out so in the center of that board is like the flow of what your stuff does so we have your payments is that topmost box and that is kind of just as simple as it looks um the big thing is you will throughout the game either put your own stuff there or when people pay you for the services that we haven't like gone in depth on but when people want to use those services they take their available or their their uh units from their supply so away from their the game warriors board, from their, their warriors supply. in their bag basically those mm -hmm. get placed into your payments um, and that that is your uh, economy. That's what all of your actions and everything are based around is these things that you receive, the warriors that you receive from other players. Right. So there's no obviously there's no money right. in route. So that is how people are paying you for your services is they are using the warriors from their supply. Now, obviously, there's we could talk about that even just for a little while yeah. of just like some factions, obviously, um, are like Woodland Alliance, for example, 
they don't have a lot of warriors yeah. in their supply ever so you're not going to see a lot of them buying from you although if they do i mean that's kind of interesting yeah uh, and they can kind of get in trouble for move doing that, you know? <laughs> yeah um another thing that's maybe worth noting right now just because it's a weird thing i don't know when it's going to come up with or oh well okay let's just talk about so there's the payments bo- payments box people pay you with warriors from their supply there's another box right underneath it uh called funds yeah uh, funds is where you're going to move your payments to like sort of in the middle of your turn while you are playing out your daylight phase as right. the otters. Um, it also relates uh, to trade posts in a way that we are not going to recommend. That's all I want you to know about that right now. Yeah. The last box is called commitments. And there are two verbs that we're going to talk about when we get to the daylight phase for river folk commit and spend. Right. When you, when you, commit a fund from your fund box you are going to get to do some sort of action but you're also going to keep that fund right that fund is going to stay in your commitments and the next turn it's going to pop back up to your funds yeah box. you're reinvesting in your own action economy when you do that anything with a commitment is not losing anything for a future turn the flip side of that is if you are spending which we only do for a couple actions but a couple of our actions spend them and that's where we literally lose part of our action economy it would be as if the eerie dynasty would remove a single card from the decree as they went if they could spend those cards and lose action economy that's what the otters are doing so spending is a, is slightly more dangerous um but obviously the intent would be that it's a little bit more reward um, that we get from the actions that we spend with. That's not 100% true. There's basically two spend actions, and one of them is great, and the other is you need to be strategic with it. So we'll get to those later. Right. Yes. Um, So let's talk about other things on the board. So let's talk about services. Um, We just talked about, you know, what services are, what the way people pay you is with warriors, right? They can, um, your services each have a cost of one through four, and you set it. Okay. Now, Hunter, um, you said one through four, but what's funny to me is I, I disagree. I think that services box says two through four because that one is not real. <laughs> right. Well, now you're making it sound like this is your idea, but actually <laughs> I wrote this and I did decide that one doesn't make sense, but you kind of jumped on the point and then claimed it as your I own. I wanted it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what can we sell and uh, for how much? Uh so our first service is cards. This one's really straightforward. Uh, they, y- you have a public hand. People can see your cards. They look at one they want and they buy it. Yeah. Um, it's 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 really that simple. Yeah. Uh, and we when we get to crafty corner, it makes crafty corner for this episode is gonna be super complicated <laughs> because literally every card you could either craft for yourself or you could sell it, and you're just constantly gonna be thinking about is that good for me or is it better for somebody else and for me to get some funds, um, some payments from that. Um, As far as price for a card, um, yes, like like Matt said, we are never gonna set anything at one. One is a joke, one is bad. Um, And we will get to why one is bad in whenever we get to Birdsong. It will be very obvious why one is bad, but you should never set anything to one and just don't ever, none (laughs) of it. Um, Setting a, a price of two I would say is is normal it's standard to me uh when you would set your price at two for cards it means maybe somebody wants this maybe they don't i'm not sure basically it's when you kind of just have i would say there it ranges from a nothing burger hand to like 
just some i don't know maybe that's all right maybe you have like one ambush and you're like well maybe it's cool for me to have an ambush maybe somebody wants it i don't know actually maybe even that isn't right the way Um, i kind of word it is two is when you're trying to entice people to come to the table right you don't think anything on its own is just definitely bringing people to you so you kind of have to lure them in two two is luring them in and almost any faction can afford two funds to to get the thing that they're going to get more or less you might have to do a little bit of like hey this is good for you in this way but two is just like a safe like yeah yeah yeah. come on come on come on come we're having a fire sale right you basically at a price of two you're not going to lose anything you're not going to lose miss out on anything but you're also not getting much out of it unless multiple players are going to buy from you yeah um which honestly i mean sometimes happens sometimes doesn't um, all right, so what about a price of three for cards? Three is, a, I would say, a pretty safe option. Um, if you feel like your hand is all right, uh, then setting it setting it at three is fine. If you feel like there's an interest in what you got, um, and also maybe if you can negotiate, like maybe getting someone to buy uh, a card that's just okay, but also promising a little something extra on mm-hmm. top of that. We'll get into that when we talk about policing. Sure. Um, but at three, you're getting essentially, um, you're not missing out on anything and you're getting like one extra is kind of how I think of it. Yeah. So that's pretty good. I kind of um, word it at, to, to go with the same story there, if two is getting them to come to the table, three is, you know, they're coming to the table. You know, you have something desirable enough for them to come. And that's just, that should be the price the thing is. Because with two, we'll get into it later, but t- two is a thing you would have made anyways, which means- right. At two, actually what you're doing is you're losing a card and getting the same amount of money you would have gotten. Unless, like Hunter said, if peop- if multiple people are going to come to the table, cool. But if you only get two funds in your whole turn, like in between your turns, if you start with only two new uh, payments, you haven't gotten ahead and then you've lost a card from your hand. Three is how yes. you're actually making progress on your board. Um, because right. you've actually, for that card, you've realistically made one uh, one fun, one action economy. So three is like, I know you want something of mine, so I'm going to set the price to three because that's fair. Right. And this is, obviously, this is just our opinions yeah. and also some of the community that, that we are literally just telling you what the current meta prices is yeah. for all of this. And your group. This is a I very meta faction, so I yes. can't, yeah, I can't define everything for how your group's going to feel about this stuff. Right. Um, okay, and then let's talk about uh, service price of four for cards. Um, I feel like this is pretty much only if you want to discourage people from mm-hmm. buying your card because you either have something that you really want or maybe you just don't want them getting the benefits of anything anymore. You're just trying to shut them down. Right. Uh, four is the exorbitant price. Or maybe it's that you've drawn a card that you know for a fact someone would, they just have to have this right. card for some reason. Then you set it um, at four. So cards... That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, obviously, we made it more complicated by giving you our kind of own read on each price. But the other two services are a lot more straightforward, but also like kind of underrated. Yeah. Um, the second service is called Riverboats. So River Riverboats allows another player to treat rivers as if they were paths, exactly like your swimmer ability, except they don't get to ignore rule the way that you do. Right. Um, as far as price goes... I mean, again, never set it at one. One is bad for you and that you can get trolled if you set it at one, right. basically. Um, I I just say two or three is fine. Yeah. It depends on how well you can sell this idea that they want to use riverboats. Because most of the time, 
right now I feel like players ignore it yeah. for the most part. You're going to have to do the most selling for riverboats, like really talking it up. And you're you're it's an uphill battle. I mean, most players have worked out a way to not have to deal with rivers. I would say the main target, if you're just trying to find someone eerie, sometimes um, can can take much better advantage of their decree if they could move along the river. You know, the, the eerie are very in some ways, in especially in the early and mid game, sometimes limited by their decree. And if you can open up opportunities for them and eerie have it. Um, in the early game a lot of extra uh, warriors so they have the money to spare so sometimes you can get a couple extra off the top from an eerie player if you make sure that those riverboats are set to two or whatever they might actually bite a little bit but you have to come to their doorstep and tell them hey listen this thing is here I've set this price for you so that you can pull off this maneuver you kind of have to play their game for them because otherwise they're just going to do the thing they were looking at doing in the first place yeah yeah I agree with that so so with riverbolt Riverboats is definitely one that you have to sell. They're not going to figure it out on yeah. their own that they need this. Um, so point it out to them, uh, make the argument, and yeah, don't don't set it at at four unless you're just trying to make sure nobody right. uses it. I guess you don't That's lose anything. It, yeah, it's it would be very weird to set riverboats to four because it it I don't know what you're trying to discourage <laughs> by setting it. At I four. mean, like, I don't I don't know how crazy someone could take advantage of moving somewhere else. I guess. Yeah, per, I mean, perhaps it's like, I don't know, it, it's, it could be a situation where uh, if they use riverboats, they can get their last couple points from killing some cardboard that they right. wouldn't be able to without it. So yeah, again, it's two or, th two or three is all right, four is discouragement, one is no go. Right. Um, the last service is called Mercenaries. Um, this, is, this one is a little complicated. Yeah. <laughs> um, so during daylight and evening, the player that has bought Mercenaries can treat Riverfolk Warriors as their own warriors for rule and for battle. Mm -hmm. So some some limitations there. It's an exciting option, but there's some limitations. You can't move them, obviously. I can't just buy mercenaries and then move otters wherever I want to. Mm -hmm. um, and if you buy this service, you have to split any hits from a battle between the Riverfolk Warriors and your own. Um, so obviously, it's kind of the best if you... Is that rounding up or down? Like, if I take a single hit, can I kill a otter, or can I? Do I have to kill one of my own first? That's a good question, and I don't remember. I think it's. I think you could just kill an otter. Then yeah, yes, actually, that's so. that is correct. Okay, it's just a split. Cool. Um, also, here's an interesting note that I didn't know. Uh, actually, uh, I was looking at the rule book. Vagabond just can't buy this for the record. <laughs> Vagabond can't buy mercenaries. Right. I, I I think I've seen someone do it before. And also, we didn't cover this before. Vagabond obviously doesn't have any extra warriors with which to pay you. Yeah. Vagabond pays you by exhausting some of their items. And then you actually take some of your own warriors from your supply and put them to, into payments. Mm -hmm. We forgot to cover that. But yeah, there's some, some weird Vagabond interactions here. Yeah. As far as price, uh, I think uh, I personally think of it the same way i think of uh river boats yeah. however i wanted to mention uh germ curry in our first uh, little bit of pre-errata here uh and this is actually third this is like hearsay pre-errata because germ curry <laughs> didn't say this directly to us but people said that germ curry feels this way um germ curry feels like you should price this at four always because apparently at high level play sometimes people decide to buy mercenaries to just get otters involved in frivolous fights in order to kind of cut down 
otters by just being like, yeah, I'll, I'm going to give you extra. Ac-. It's kind of a weird, yeah. almost like self-defeating idea to me because you're giving the otter something and then getting them into a fight. Um, but apparently that's something that people do. Uh, so, so remember that you essentially anytime another player could pay you and then just make you fight stuff that right. maybe you didn't plan on fighting. I think that's the um, biggest thing to consider with mercenaries is whatever you set that price to, you need to know that your 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 units on the board, which are kind of pricey to put out there. You don't just have like t- loads of warriors always hitting the board. So the idea that you could lose them in something that isn't gaining you anything that's what your price needs to reflect, right? So if you see the opportunity that someone wants to use it and you can't afford to lose those units at that time, that's like the mental math you have to have with yourself. You have to work out like how risky is it right now. If you only have three more units on the board and they're on one space and you can tell someone's going to use it, you probably definitely need to set it to four so that you keep your three units on the map because your units are pretty important to exist on the map. Right, right. Okay, so two kind of simple questions I want to answer about services before we move on. I, I realize this might be kind of... Riverfolk is kind of a complicated faction to talk about. Yeah. Uh, this is such... I, f- I found when I first started playing Riverfolk, I was like, this is such a weird idea that people are paying me with their warriors. Uh, but I wanted to lay out... Because uh, it, it can kind of... The, the window can kind of slip by you early on right. uh, playing as Riverfolk. But when do other players buy from you? They buy from you at the start of their bird song so basically every time it's another player's turn at the very beginning of it this is kind of your opportunity to remind them or maybe if you're more of a used car salesman type like sell them Mm -hmm. on the services uh, that you provide so it would be like the very first thing they would do on their turn is decide what they are buying from you if anything so the, use this, that time to say, hey, there, here's this card that would be good for you because X. Right. This is the hardest thing I think to do, especially in your first few games, because what you have to do, you know, a lot of um, experienced players have their whole turn mapped out in their head and they just they they'd make it all happen. You know, like when we watch Waterman play, he's like a top ranked player and he just he starts his turn and his turn is done within like a minute because he knows mm-hmm. every single thing that he was going to do. But, you know, I know in your earlier games, you're kind of like, well, I think I'll go here and then maybe I'll do this and then I'll see. And you kind of like almost like how we play Twilight Imperium where it's like one action at a time. I'm kind of sussing it all out. Otters have to get in there and be like, hey, listen, I know you have only thought about maybe part of your turn, but I need to show you how this ability that I need you to activate this second is going to be useful for the entire duration of your turn, right? Right. The best example I have for this is something like the Woodland Alliance. They, They don't it's not a great example because the wood alliance almost should never pay you stuff but i'm just for a timing example i'm using it which is to say the woodland alliance is going to first thing they do is just going to be spreading sympathy and then they're going to be doing stuff in their daylight and then they're not moving any units on the board until their evening so if they're not thinking about their evening at the beginning of their turn they don't realize maybe how riverboats is going to benefit them right and so you have to sell them on the idea of an evening riverboats before they've even spread any sympathy and that's like the difficulty of getting the door open as the otters i'll i'll offer an alternate example that the other the other player i feel like should take you up on that is really simple and you don't have to understand very much about the game to get this um both cats uh eerie uh lizards uh duchy all get specific all have a lot of focus on um 
not even necessarily the card abilities, but the card suits. Yeah. And they have needs of various suits. Right. Um, so like a really easy example is like Cats and Eerie both get a special thing out of just having a bird card. Right. So if they don't have any bird cards, they want a bird card. So any card you have that is a bird card, you could potentially sell to Cats or Eerie just based off suit alone. Right. So like it doesn't even have to be good. It just needs. Right. Yeah, hey, do you want to? Do you want one of these? You should have one. It's, they're good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And then uh, another little nitpicky rule uh, that actually I messed up on this one so many times I would just forget about it. But how many services can you sell to a player? Um, well, actually, just one uh, plus one additional service per clearing with any of your trade posts and any of that player's pieces. Oof. So we haven't talked about trade posts yet. We will yep. in two seconds. Trade posts are your only piece of cardboard. Right. Uh, it is the closest you get to a building. Um, so that's not too hard. Um, but just remember, you are capped at one at like the very beginning of the game, most likely nobody will be able to buy more than one thing from you. So keep that in mind when you're selling to people yeah. that they need to be near your trade po posts in order to buy more than one thing, which honestly, most of the time, uh, just to cut to the chase right now, at least it feels like people are just generally going to want to buy a card from you right. uh, in the early game. Yeah. They're probably not going to want to buy riverboats or mercenaries, yeah. especially in the early game. But you can buy um, you can buy two cards though, right? Or can you only buy one card yes. per turn? Yeah. So, so, so I can so buy it, I can buy the card service twice, and totally, but I need totally. the trade. Po so so the other thing I was going to add here is similar to like the timing problem of like you need to have mapped it out for them. I think that's doubly true here, which is like the last thing you want to do is leave the mental burden on someone else to figure out how much stuff they can buy from you. If you are able to start that negotiation with them by going, hey, look, uh, Dutchie, uh, it's me, your old pal, the otter. Uh, I see you're here and here where I have trade posts. That means you can buy three services from me. So if you want to take a look at these hand of cards, if and up to three of these suit your fancy, you know, I'm your guy. Let me let me know what I can do for you. That you you have to. It's it's annoying for me to have to look around on the board and double check the trade posts and see how much stuff I can buy. If you give me that answer right away, you've saved some time and maybe enticed me to to get one step further into maybe making that deal with you. Yes, make it easy. Make it easy for yep. them to buy stuff from you. Right. Um, all right, let's talk about trade posts. Um, so we have on our on our cardboard here, on our on our faction sheet, mm -hmm. I guess is what I'll call it. Um, we have nine trade posts. They're little they're cute little circular. Um, I guess they're not they're not buildings. They don't take up uh, building slots, which is great and mm -hmm. it's good that they don't have to deal with that. And each time you place one, you get two victory points and there's nine of them. So you have a whopping 18 victory points on your sheet already. Yep. That if you just build these things, you're going to get 18 points. That's over half the points you need. Yep. Let's remind everybody you need 30. That's the goal here. <laughs> um, and yeah, so, so uh, another thing that's really weird about uh, trade post. Uh, so, so the way you build trade post is actually tied to an ability that we'll get to in daylight. It is a spend ability. Mm -hmm. Um, where you will place a trade post and you also get a warrior, which is pretty cool. Um, and then you get your two victory points. Um, they are also, of course, because they are the tokens, uh, they are also tied to crafting. So we craft using our trade posts. Um, and I will say, this is this is a little thing that is interesting about trade posts as compared to all the other buildings in the game. 
is when someone destroys them, it's really not a big deal. Yeah. Like, you don't really care. They get removed from the map, and then you would... Uh, there's a penalty that sounds bad, but actually isn't. Um, you lose half of your funds. Right. Now, uh, you... We will... Okay. So there's a way to play otters that we will get to. We'll talk about this idea of scoring dividends. It's not a real way to play and nobody does it. And the only reason you would ever have funds in your funds box when it's another player's turn is if you were playing this style of otters, which people don't play. And we will just recommend that you completely ignore it. So you will never, ever be at risk of losing any of your funds. Right. If you ignore this part of the river folk. Um, so we're going to tell you to do that. Yeah. So for, if you are following our guide, when someone destroys your trade post, that don't mean uh, nothing to you. In yeah. fact, in some, sometimes it's a good thing to be yeah, honest. The other reason it doesn't matter to you, and we're going to get way more into this in crafty corner, but Hunter said, uh, you know, it's your, it's your crafting piece, but the way to think about it is almost the inverse of that, where the piece itself is not your crafting piece. The right. absence of the piece on your yes. board is the crafting piece. So literally, once you've built it, you've unlocked all of the possible potential of that piece that it's you're ever going to have. You will never get yes. more from that. So, um, like like he's saying, you you could care less if people remove those trade posts. If anything, sometimes you want them to remove those trade posts because you would exactly. like to replace it in that same spot because it's easier to put it there than it is somewhere else. Right. That is important to note. Uh, trade posts are similar to eerie roost. There can only be one yeah. in a clearing. You cannot pile pile them on. So honestly, when people kill them, you can just build Come another back. one there. Yeah. <laughs> and then you didn't even have to travel to another clearing in order to build one. It's kind of great when right. people destroy the them. The worst thing the table could do is you keep putting trade posts on the river and they keep killing the trade posts on the river and then you just keep putting them back on the river. Like that, that would Lovely. be a bad idea for the table to do. But let's get into the actual kind of sequence of play uh, for the birds. What is our, for the birds, for the otters, what is our bird song? All right, so now we're going to cover uh, a couple things that we've alluded to, but we have not fully covered yet. So the first uh, first step of any river folk turn is uh, protectionism. So if your payments box is empty, you place two of your own warriors in it. So this is your insurance policy. Right. So even if the rest of the table just decides we're not going to buy from you or anything, then you still get two otters on the house. This is also why setting a service cost at one is pointless because if if a player buys uh something for one you're actually going to get less than if you had just waited for protectionism to kick in if anything setting a service cost at one you're basically asking a player to buy this and then just cancel out your protectionism so you get one less fund than you would have gotten yeah the way to think about it too like we said earlier with the cards i mean if you're setting it at one you are literally, this is what all you are costing yourself. If one person only buys one card from you when your price is at one, you are now only getting one payment, which means you're only going to get one fund going into the next turn, and you lost a card from your hand that either you could have used or someone else could have bought for more money later. So if if two, if setting a price of two is technically losing value because you were going to gain the two from protectionism anyways like if if only one player was going to buy anything from from you and your price was set to two you lost a card without actually gaining 
your protectionism, right? You were going to get two right. funds either way. You didn't That's need fair. their two yeah. funds. All you're doing is denying their warriors from them, and maybe that has value, but probably not. More than anything, you lost the card. So that's why the three is better. The one is useless. But the whole point of two is, generally speaking, you can get like two people in on it, right? And now you've made four right. bucks and now you're really good to go. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's more, you know, it's more than one player, hopefully, that will be buying from right. you. Um, that's why I kind of put two out there as just like a, well, I don't know, teams. let's see how this goes. Right. Like, because then at worst, yeah, maybe I'll lose a card. Um, but if there's a good card in there, I'm going to set the price higher anyway. Mm -hmm. So I, if I lost a card to two, it must not have been a very good one well, anyway. It must not have mattered. Um, all right. So let's talk about step number two, uh, score dividends. Uh, this, this is uh, some skippable stuff we're going to talk about yeah. here. But uh, if there are any trade posts on the map, score one victory point for every two funds. Really costly. So yeah so so this would be this would be warriors that you have left in the funds box from last turn you you consciously decided not to spend them on anything not to right. do anything with these potential actions that you would have and now you're getting some victory points for making that investment however remember when we talked about trade posts if someone destroys one of your trade posts then you lose half of those funds right uh so not not great really um, bad actually really really bad uh there's a whole we could dig into the math of it I, I will very very briefly sort of try to express how bad this is mathematically as best mm -hmm. i can if i uh leave some funds so that i can score point well it's per two actions i didn't take i'm only getting one point if I just build a trade post with those two things, I get two points anyways. And yes, I spend the things, but I get the two points and I get a trade post that lets me do crafting that might unlock more points, et cetera, et cetera. If I leave the funds in there, those two things, those two actions I didn't take could be one point or I might lose one of those anyways if someone destroys one of my right. trade posts, right? right? So I might be down a point more or less, right? Because that's a thing I didn't get to spend on a trade post later. So it is literally essentially only a negative for you to not just take more actions. The idea is if you have leftover funds, burn actions, do something, anything else, because it is better than leaving them to be susceptible to losing a trade post. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, again, I you can, you can dig into what we're saying and Confirm it for yourself if you want, or you can just take our word for right. it. Just ignore <laughs> it's it. It's not our word, uh, too. It's way smarter people yeah, than us that actually word. did the yeah. math, and we just trust them because we saw the numbers and went, yeah, those look like numbers. I think you're probably right. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> I will say, though, actually, I want to note something, though. The thing about score dividends is there are a couple of things on this faction sheet that when starting out with Riverfolk, you can get kind of sidetracked by yeah. and confused by, and this is one of them. So I'm going to say, how about this? If you're a newer player and you're consulting this, and you trust us just skip it for yeah. now maybe later you'll find it's actually really cool but as you're trying to get to know uh, the faction in the beginning just skip it third step is gather funds so this is move uh, all of the warriors on your faction board into the funds box yep. so this is when you take all of your commitments um the funds that you spent last turn and all of the payments uh that other players gave you for the services you put them all in the funds box yep. and when they're in the funds box we're having fun <laughs> uh you can quote me on that that is a, uh, that's a new shirt opportunity right there um and that's it for the bird song um 
anything anything you want to say about bird uh, bird song no because now this, this is where we get into the action and daylight is where things pop off like crazy because uh, we've got a lot a lot a lot to do uh in in the daylight uh if anything you could argue otters has the the bar none best action economy in the game it's um, especially in like the late game so so yeah let walk me through how ridiculous this daylight is okay so um in daylight we have many actions we can take and we talked earlier about how there's two verbs that are important with river folk commit and spend and we're going to separate the actions based off each verb so we're going to talk about what actions can we take um by committing that's when we we move a fund down to the commitments box effectively keeping this action economy rolling forward so the first one uh is move you commit a fund to move subject to normal rules unless you're moving via the river in which case you don't care about rule yeah um the next one this, is i, I want to make one note about yeah, move. Go ahead. this is one of the benefits of keeping with the otter ball strategy is if you at the beginning of the game spread all of your otters out it's going to take you four separate moves to coalesce them, right? Or I guess totally. three at minimum. Like it, it is it is messy and uses too many actions, especially in the early game, more actions than you have available to you to move those things around. Where if you put them in one spot, you only need one move to move that one thing to another spot. So you're good to go and you're you're doing everything as cheaply as possible. Yeah. Keep keep the movement simple yep. when it comes to Riverfall. Because if you get, you've got a lot more interesting stuff uh, you can do. Um, the second action is battle, of course, normal, yep. not really anything special Start to mention. Ex I, I will say at this point, though, we're pretty good at fighting, yeah. and which we'll expand upon well, when we go further. Um, next is crafting. So our crafting is uh, very versatile, and it's a little bit complicated. We've talked about it a little bit already, but you craft by committing a fund to an empty space on the trade post track. This effectively means that once we built a trade post, we'll have the crafting benefits of it, regardless of whether that trade post exists anymore yeah. on the board or not. Um, one thing that is important to note that I that I feel like new players forget, and honestly, I forget myself, is that you are committing each uh, fund in order to satisfy the requirements of that particular card that you are right. trying to craft. So that means if it is asking for two mouse, that means we need to commit two funds yep. to our mouse track on the trade post track thing. Right. Okay. So, so you got to be careful about, you know, what trade posts are you crafting and where are they being crafted? Right. That's the balance of their crafting, yeah. if anything, is the idea that, yeah, you kind of have this like crazy, unstoppable crafting engine in terms of nobody can ever take it away from you. You just you are always able to do that. But what they can take away or what you can take away from yourself is crafting eats up actions, right? If you're going to craft a right. favor of the foxes, you have to commit three actions to it, right? Because right. you're doing all three of those funds to the three requirement, the fox requirements. So that's the cost of your crafting. Every crafting you're doing is... Uh, actions you're not taking elsewhere but obviously well worth it for most of the abilities and any of the points that you could get out of it right and then also i want to note like pretty much every crafting piece in the game it, it, it can't double up i can't yep. commit two crafting or two war two funds to a single spot on the trade post right. track right if that makes sense that that's like a hard rule to explain to people i, I find oftentimes especially like newer cats players will be like well my workshop 
can work on this card yeah, and then my and then workshop will too. also work on something else and it, no 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 for your turn all your workshop did was this one thing right. that's it it's like you need a token i mean it's, it's actually slightly easier in otter's case because you literally can take the little otter meeple and place it on the thing and go okay i did one of yeah. the costs and i did the other with cats and stuff like that it is harder to like mark that i've done the crafting with all the things i'm allowed to craft with and it definitely gets confusing uh hunter there is an extra rule to otter's crafting yeah that i loathe <laughs> and i i almost wish we weren't even talking about it because i think it's so weird that it even exists because it doesn't happen right. but it's apparently if you ask smart people it's apparently called exporting. So can you tell me what exporting is? Especially because if I'm just reading the auditor's sheet, there would be no feasible way for me to know what exporting yeah. is. Yeah. So this is this is similar to score dividends in that it, this is very skippable, but this is something else that they can do. It's not very important. You can ignore this. But whenever you craft a card, you can, instead of getting the benefit of that card, you can discard the crafted card in order to place a warrior in the payments box. So it's like I'm getting rid of a card and and then I get a payment. Oh, so boy. and it's just it's just one. Yep. And I'm gonna read you some pre errata from uh Postus uh gave us this pre errata. Um he actually actually uh posted it about score dividend and export, but I only use the export part because the score dividend stuff is just too like All I don't over. even know, yeah. like it's just so whatever. But uh I, but I thought the export stuff was really interesting. So this is Postus. Everyone knows that export is bad, but how bad is it and why? Number one, you forgo one action uh, or more if you're crafting a high cost card and one card from your hand in order to put one warrior in the payments. This voids your next protectionism, which we've already talked about that. That's bad. That's why you don't do services for one. Um, so you would only do this if uh, a, you're confident that you're making more sales this turn. B, you're actually exporting like three or more times. Or C, you really didn't have anything more productive to do with that fund like drawing a card. And here's the thing. That A, B, and C, uh, does that's just not going to happen. They don't exist. Those, those are yeah. things he made up to try to make this case. And, and the, right. it's so... Un the, the whole, especially the last point... You literally could just be drawing cards and you will always be better off drawing cards. Like in every situation, right. no matter what, you might as well just draw cards because you're going to get something that you either can sell for more later or you can use for yourself later or whatever. You're just cycling the deck. Who cares if you discard a bunch of stuff and then the deck reshuffles, you'll get more cool stuff later. Like it just doesn't matter. This is negative stuff for you. Like the, the biggest point is if you put a single thing in your protectionism, you're you're done right it's yeah. that you've lost money and you've discarded a card for nothing and it's just a, it's just a completely it's bad economy yeah so don't worry about it i mean honestly you could easily just miss that it's even on the sheet i did need to read i didn't the know book. this existed <laughs> and yeah. like for a year i didn't understand that this existed like i understood there was like more text to crafting but i just kind of didn't care and then people kept in our pre-rata talking about exporting and i was like what do you, what do you stop wait what is going on what is exporting there's nothing on the sheet that says export and like oh well it's in the rule book it's like okay well i can't i can't do this so ignore right. exporting like i did and you'll be just fine <laughs> Uh, there's actually something interesting you said, Matt, that really neatly uh, gets us into our next point. You were like, oh, well, why not just commit the fund to draw a card? What does that mean? Yeah. Well, the last action you can do via commit is draw cards. Like literally, just otters have control over their own like card economy. 
Yeah. So if their action economy is good, then their card economy can be good because at any point I can just decide, you know what, I'm going to commit like five funds in order to draw a whole new hand of cards. It's like the coolest thing that they can do, yeah. honestly. Um, and remember, so yeah, the, your, you don't, you don't. We'll get into it later, but you don't discard till the end. So you can draw up to ten cards. Like you can get, you can get all the cards in the deck if you got a bunch of funds. Like you could just do it all. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so there's yes. like just no limit to this, and you might as well do it if you have extra actions. Yeah, your card economy is literally so good that we will later talk about the idea of fishing through the entire deck looking right. for specific cards. Yeah, that is not off the table for you. Um, and yeah, it's it's rad. <laughs> um, as you can imagine, if you if you played any route already, playing any other faction, uh, a lot of playing any faction is figuring out like, oh, how am I going to draw more cards? Right. Whereas Riverfolk is just like from the onset, it's just like, well, if you can do, do anything, you can do cards. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about the other actions that we have available to us. These are, we have two actions left, and they are both spend is their verb. Mm -hmm. So we return warriors to the supply, to either our supply if there are warriors, or their supply if they're their warriors. Yeah. Um, so the first one is recruit. Spend one warrior to place an otter warrior in any river clearing so we can only we can only get new warriors uh via this action in rivers which wow. is interesting and we're gonna we're gonna probably focus on uh staying near the river yep. uh as far as strategy goes um doesn't sound like a high price but it really is for what you're getting yeah like this is not my favorite way to get new warriors but sometimes you have to do it yeah um i have some priorata from uh Gwerik. um <laughs> got you buddy uh this is uh this is good though this is a good note on recruiting um recruiting has a lot of value but can get you into trouble if the table denies you funds right after you recruit that said it's tremendously useful to get recruit with a couple funds early in the game to prevent yourself from pulling ahead on the score track while also bolstering your death ball more than usual. It's a long-term investment, but like I said, it can go wrong if you deplete all your funds and then the table stops buying. The best times to recruit are when you're either a little overfed or can guarantee that another sale or two is coming your way. And I should emphasize, I'm not advocating constant recruiting. Recruiting is costly, and you'd rather not do it most of the time. But early game, you can get a lot of long-term value out of recruiting twice instead of building a trade post, which is the other thing that you can do with it, which we'll right. get to. Now, I read all that to say that I think the real point for this episode is that recruiting is kind of a complicated thing to know for sure yeah. that you're getting, that it's the best time to do it. So for new newer players, I'm gonna recommend that you kind of cool it on recruiting. Yep. Um. And so I like I'm I'm probably a little colder on it than than Guerick, but I think Guerick kind of lays out the scenario of like here's the here's the way to think about yeah. um, whether it's a good time to recruit or not. I think the big basically. thing is you will hear metas talk about the otter death ball and don't overthink that don't think the otter strategy is recruit 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 and go just stomp around the board you can kind of do that but you can 
definitely overdo it because again this is a thing where you're, you're spending rather than committing which means you are yes. kind of losing value you're losing future action economy and if that single unit being placed on the board isn't going to net you more stuff later then it's it's not really worth it and as we're about to get into there's other ways to get warriors on the map anyways so there might be a more efficient action that you can take so hunter tell me about placing trade posts Yes, so the last action we'll talk about is establish a trade post with garrison. That's the that's how they that's wrote the whole it. ability. That's the <laughs> ability. Um, so you spend two, which that's even more than one, huh? Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can place a trade post that matches the clearing uh, that you are placing it in. But also you have to spend the warriors belonging to whoever rules that clearing now you can do yourself so it's not it's not that big of a deal getting around this but it is a little tricky uh you need to pay attention to whose whose warriors you have and your funds and where they rule and where you rule yeah um, but you can do yourself which is kind of that kind of breaks people's brains a little bit i don't know what you're doing in fiction there you're like spending some of your own me. resources to trade <laughs> with yourself i guess insider trading um, yeah uh so so yeah so so you get one trade post with, which gives you two victory points and you also get one warrior so obviously it's a bit more of an investment than recruiting uh like you are spending two not yeah. one but you're also getting some of those crucial trade posts right. out and you I, need to be getting those out with a certain level of tempo in yeah. order to win what, what i really want to do now that we have kind of all of the actions available in your head and we've sort of talked about like the balance of economies right i want to just finally sell the idea of like what we're truly doing as the otters and why trade posts are like the most important thing right we already talked about getting trade posts off of your board is inherently good because it opens up our crafting ability right so that's just getting the trade posts off the board in general means we have access to more points but it also got us points right we we, we just have 18 available we want to get those 18 points getting those 18 points opens up the access to other points okay so that's one side of like the economy that's why trade posts are amazing the second right. side of it is we talked about um the the scoring dividends or whatever right and why that's two actions for a single point versus totally. in this situation if we look at trade posts versus recruiting we were if we were going to commit or spend one warrior on recruiting for one warrior okay that's a thing right so if we use that as a base cost building a trade post means we're doing one warrior for one warrior on the board and one warrior for two points and a trade post right right so the difference there is one warrior for two points or we could have kept those two warriors, led them to be risky investments on a turn that we might have lost a trade post, and then only gotten one point. It's like a quarter of the value <laughs> sure. to, to do I, all that other stuff. I think really the difference between trade uh, establish a trade post and recruit is that establishing a trade post is absolutely essential action that you will yes. have to do. Right. You will have to do that in order to win the game. And recruit is something that you could get bogged down doing too much. Right. It's not that you should never do it. It's that you need to be careful and specific about when you're doing it. The, the way you, I would look it, at it is if you want to recruit, see if there's a way you could build a trade post instead and use that as your recruitment. If there, if that is not accessible to you this turn and you still need the recruitment, then yeah, okay, probably go for the recruitment. But like, 
you should be trying to do all of your recruitment through trade posts. If every trade post is also a warrior, that's nine warriors on the map. Like, that's a pretty good amount of warriors that you're getting consistently throughout the game. Otters don't need, like, a ton more than that as the game goes on, right? You can kind of survive with your starting four plus, like, what, a total of six more throughout the entire game like i don't think uh-huh. you you know we're, we're only going to sprinkle in recruitment and that's where that's where you're kind of feeding recruitment into this is just like when you need it when it makes sense for it to like really impact this turn otherwise try to have done it through your trade posts totally yeah um and then with that we are done with daylight yep. uh, we move on to evening where there's almost nothing to talk about but uh at the end of your turn you discard down to five cards which for you uh, maybe uh, you need to be reminded of that because you can easily get more than five cards yeah. <laughs> in a given turn. Uh, and then the last thing you do is you set your service costs again. Yep. So that, that's when you would make any edits. And we're not going to say anything more about service costs because we definitely already talked about that for plenty. Sure. Um, but now, Matt, Ooh. is it? I think it's time for a break. We right? do a little can break we, now. Let's this chill. We're trying right? to do this. We have to get better about like just like, hey, now it's time for a little break. So we'll see you in just a second after this little break. Okay, so we have this whole stinking thing in our heads now. There's so much. Can we actually get into, uh, I guess, strategy outside of uh, just like the basics of what we've been covering? So Hunter, can you give me some opening ideas uh, yeah, for totally. the otters. Yeah, so we're going to do a little bit of synthesis here. We've laid out all of the details, and now we're going to put it into some uh, abstract strategy talk. Um, before I get into it, I just want to say that I read Priorata from BotBot, Marcus the cat, uh, that is, uh, and Justin K. Uh, and their their thoughts are kind of sprinkled in here, although I did not word-for-word word edit their stuff into the script. Right. Um, so, as the river folk. You are the policemen slash kind of like arms dealers uh, in the world of Root. Uh, you start with four warriors together in one clearing that will move around the board, staying as close to the water as possible. Remembering that when we're moving along the water, rule is hardly a rule at all. Uh, <laughs> doesn't apply to us. Um, as we go, we're trying to drop trade posts that are... Uh, uh, opening up our ability to score points and also just scoring us points yep. and also bolstering our armor armies. <clears throat> we keep our services set to reasonable prices when we are trying to sell cards and we negotiate with the other players in order to encourage them to buy from us. Uh, position yourself as the policeman of the table in order, uh, in order so that players will buy cards, not just for the benefit of having a card, but also so that you will hinder the other players who may be getting their points engines online. Yep. So it's sort of like a, hey, you can have this card. And also, if you if you buy from me, helping my action economy, you get an extra benefit, which is I'm going to go hit the Vagabond. Right. Or do you want that Woodland Alliance uh, thing removed from you? Let's do it. This, this I will is come something help you. that I think is harder to define for like a new group. Because I think the thing that is really common in new groups is everyone plays a little bit heads down route, which is what I call it when everyone's just getting like just doing the things that get them the points they need each turn, which makes total sense. I mean, that, that is a way to start playing route and just get yourself familiar with the game. I think um, 
this was the case in our lizards guide too, but lizards and river folk are advanced factions, right? They require sure. more overall knowledge. So our goal would be you're not picking up this guide until you have kind of a cursory knowledge and you're probably stepping away from heads down root. So the big idea here is we are we are using all of our stuff to negotiate. Like Hunter said, it's not just that I want you to buy cards. It's I understand that we are entangled in this meta, that we all have to deal with different things. So I want mm -hmm. you to have that card so that you can deal with Eerie, and you want to pay me for that card so that I can deal with the cats. And together, sure. we're going to solve the problem of the scarier factions at the table. And that's the deal that we're making with each other. It's not just a give me stuff for the thing. It's a let's work together on the common and goal of thwarting our enemies it's also a very important thing to note when thinking about you know maybe at this point in the guide you're thinking like well why would the other players like let me yeah do that like i sound like it sounds like they're such a good faction like why would you pay the otters anything ever and the problem is that the other three players are going to be at various points of power they're not all yeah. going to be even right you know with <laughs> each other so yeah. one of them is going to be the person behind yeah and maybe they feel like you could help them swing up into a higher position. Yeah. So, and, and, and recognizing that power relationship and trying to incorporate that in your deal makings is, is I think the essential and very fun aspect yeah. of the river folk. Um, I feel like maybe we've gotten a little, a little away from opening, but, but yeah. in general, this is like kind of the thematic idea of river folk it's hard to tell you this is not like cats where yeah. i can just tell you like do, do this, this and do yeah. this and do that totally it, it's it's more of a because there's like a million variables i don't know what card you're going to draw yep. at the beginning right you know i don't know what the other player's predisposition to you is basically that is a factor i mean like sometimes the other players are just going to be like you know what you won last time i don't like you or something you know you're gross yep. and they won't buy from you you know and i i you know that is something that, that we are probably not even really going to touch on in this guide is like what to do about that. Yeah. All, all I can say is focus on trying to get one of those players on your side. One of those players is behind so they could use yeah. your help. Yeah. Um, so always looking for that is going to be smart. And honestly, that's kind of a neat transition if we want to get into yeah. Crafty Right Corner. before we do, right before we get into Crafty yes. Corner, and this is me going a little bit off book, Hunter, and I'm sorry, but uh -oh. I, because I don't want to I don't want to get in the weeds of it and I don't want to talk about it in like where we find our win. I want to just bring up one little idea right now, which is something more that I've just been seeing really good players doing in the tournament, which is the whole thing of like we're talking about we have like the most control along the river. So a thing I've seen really good players doing in their kind of opening is focusing on getting trade posts away from the river earlier on in the game. Um, because sure. it's harder to do that later and you really don't want to stretch yourself out if you can just do a clean sweep through the river at the end of the game that's way easier which means you don't want to ha already have the river clogged up with trade posts if you're just like last four trade coasts could be all in one turn all along the river that would be awesome right so i kind of just th this is too technical but i wanted to put it out there because i've seen it be incredibly successful every time so if there's a way to focus on kind of getting harder trade posts earlier where it doesn't set you out of position but then you can quickly come back to the river and then get those last trade posts all along the river i think that is also useful if you're just looking for positionally where you want to be i think that is maybe a guiding principle it's not foolproof and it's not even ultimate but it's just kind of like a a trajectory you could set yourself on at this point i think there i think even in simp a simpler way to put that would even be like 
you know, you're safest and most comfortable near the water. Yeah. When you get away from the water, you're kind of in the a little bit of a danger zone, right? Right. So if you see like, oh, I can jump into this corner right now and there's nobody around, yeah. they're not going to see what I'm doing and get my, you know, do my insider trading and trade with myself and then get back. Right. That's totally fine. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Cool. So let's get it. Boom. It's the crafty corner. I'm like a animatronic animal now. Bing, bang, bang, crafty corner. Yeah, like a Chuck E. Cheese robot. I like it. Uh, or actually, do you know about Banjo's Pizza? Never mind. I, we don't have time. Well, there's a there's, there's a no place time. In, there's a place in Pine Bluff, Arkansas called Banjo's Pizza, and they had like scary banjo playing. Uh, and it was like I'd go there and eat pizza and. But I didn't like it. It was scared me. Wet your pants. Anyways, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Kind of like that goofy movie thing. You I know, know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Anyways, Crafty <laughs> Corner. Um, so overall, we're going to talk about cards. We could talk about cards and River Folk all day. I'm going to try and cover this in broad strokes and and do it quickly. Yeah. Um, first point is that crafting points are always a good option for River Folk. You're good at crafting. Uh, you need, you know, you've got those 18 points on you know, trade posts that are good. You want to get those. So you're looking for, you know, 12 points, basically. It's just like a game of root where all you need to score is 12 points. That's what it feels like sometimes. (laughs) Um, But crafting is going to be a good option for that. Also, though, you can sell crafting stuff. Like every card I'm going to talk about, there's going to be this relationship of, uh, okay, it's good for you, but also you need to sell these cards too. So like, don't feel too dedicated to one thing. Even, I mean, like, like, obviously, if you get a coin, you want to craft a coin, but maybe you won't be able to, and then you sell it, and then, hey, you got something for it. Um, okay, first, let's talk about the base deck. So, all of the cards in the base deck, to me, feel very sellable in that, not that people, like, just love base deck cards, but I just mean, like, there's not really any cards in the base deck where I'm like, oh, gotta have it, so don't sell it. Right. Like, you, these are all, just sell them. Yep. Um, the only exceptions I can really think of are... We have some action economy cards, stuff like Command Warren, Better Burrow Bank, Cobbler, uh, Stand and Deliver, even. Uh, those might be useful for you if the other players are starving you out and your action economy is not getting going, which right. almost like, I don't even see games like that anymore. Yeah. But I'm just thinking out loud and saying like, okay, yeah, maybe that would be a good way to kind of plug that hole. Yeah, you, you know? can make the case you know? for it, more or less. Yeah. Yeah, you're getting, you know, those the funny cards thing all is give the, you... The stuff where it's card draw, like, you have such a good card draw anyways, It's those are less important than any other Right, action. but you don't... You, you don't I'm saying it. if you're in a low action economy right. place, your your card draw isn't going to be good. Right. Because now you got to use your stuff on other, like, stupid things. Like, i got to move, so mm-hmm. now that's costing me one, you know, fund, and, like, I only have three or something like that, totally. you know? Um, so, uh, the only thing I'll say is, like, uh, tax collector... Uh, you like lose a warrior to draw a card. Uh, no, don't do yeah, that. Don't do That's that. weird. Uh, if you're in a low action economy state, you can't afford to do that. You so literally do the inverse that one. as a thing we don't like. So I don't know why we would like it in this direction, right? We don't yeah, like to yeah. spend a card to get a warrior. I'm not sure why we would like to spend a warrior to get a card. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and then the other, the number two situation we've got are, are I'm going to call them like fighting cards, yeah. uh, armorers, scouting party, Brutal tactics, uh, sappers. Uh, maybe if you're in a situation where you're like, I need a little oomph uh, in battle, I might craft one of those. But I definitely wouldn't craft any of those. Just you know, 
yeah. just automatically right. just thinking like, oh, well, I got to have that. Yeah. Um, and then the last two, we've got Royal Claim, which of course is the one where you get like a point for every uh, clearing that you rule and you're not really that's set not up really for that. And hopefully you're not spread out anyways. That's yeah. kind of like, we're, we're definitely advocating for a focused otter death ball. So that means you're not occupying a bunch of different uh, clearings. Yep. So Royal Claim, not really going to work for you. Code Breakers, uh, I, you get to look at the other play hands, the other player's hand. I don't think that's very important, almost for anybody, but I definitely don't see why it would be important yeah. for River Folk. Yeah. Uh, I, I so, think the big idea with base deck is you are mostly looking for the craftable item points. You want the points totally. more than you want anything else. If you're sifting the deck, you're that's what you're looking for. You're almost never looking for brutal tactics or something. You're looking for craftable points to score. Right. And, and honestly, in base deck, a lot of the other uh, factions have a bigger need for the action economy cards yeah. than you're going to in most games. So, And the other thing that's ironic about action economy cards is that you know, if you're not selling them, then you need them. Right. Because you're not selling anything. Or right. I guess what I'm saying is if you're not selling anything, then you might need these. But they're almost all, you would rather sell them. Because I would you rather get sell more better Bureau Bank. Them. I would rather sell better Bureau Bank. Jeez, oh, I cannot say it. Uh, for three payments, right? If I get that, I would rather set my price to three. Because a lot of people really want that in base game. Than I would yes. to do it for myself in a case where people aren't getting me much. Like, I'm going to get three or four funds for it. That is better for my overall economy than getting one extra card per turn based yeah. on when I get This is it. literally a situation where they are just not buying from you no matter yes. what. So, right. I, so I don't want to overstate. Like, honestly, covering the base deck for Riverfolk might be overstating it a bit, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. Even talking about it. Yeah. Um, however, that is not the story for Exiles and Partisans. And oh boy, wow. uh, I'm about to rapid fire shoot boy. you every... Hunter, I, I'm, I'm literally, I have to just hand it off to you because I'm looking at the list. You have a list of 17. You've talked about every single card here. So you know what? This is just Hunter's little little railing at us. Everything you can do with every card. Ready, set, go. The, yeah. Okay, so this isn't exhaustive. This is just like a, a micro take on, <laughs> on every card. Um, the, in general, the Exile and Partisan cards are better. We've we've made no bones about it. So uh, every single one of these cards, you might also want to sell them. There's only one that I'm going to say like, oh no, don't sell this one. You want you want to craft this mm -hmm. one. Um, so first off, saboteurs. That's one unless you cancel somebody else's card. Uh, you know, we love ruining other players' day. We we are the policemen, and saboteurs is a way to police. Uh, so maybe craft it yourself. Maybe sell it. Maybe if you sell it to somebody and they end up saboing something, you were going to uh, sabo anyways. That's just like a double win for you uh, anyways. Mm -hmm. So uh, I can I could go either way on sabo depending on what you want to get done. Soup kitchens. No. Uh, <laughs> we, we don't worry about rule too much because we uh, live on the rivers. Uh, I think it helps this section if you actually look up these cards as i'm yeah. talking about because you, you want, you want me to read over. the cards as you go through them hunter soup kitchens oh, you your tokens to. now count toward rule and each of your tokens counts twice your tokens yeah. are on the board but sometimes they get cleared easily there's not always a million of them yada yada, yeah. yada. and you don't have a bunch not in enough. one territory anyways so at best you're getting two two rule points that we didn't need right um boat builders which lets you uh treat rivers as paths you don't need because obviously you get nothing out of it yep. uh Corvid Planners is the one that lets you move uh, you without rule. rule. You yeah. ignore rule. You uh, do that in most of the places you want to get to anyways. It's kind of only half effective. 
Sometimes I could see a situation yeah. though where you need to get a tricky trade post somewhere and you're not getting it done and yep. you need Corvid planners so you can go to that to that spot. Um Erie Erie McGeary. Erie uh, Emigray at the end of Birdsong, take a move, then initiate a battle uh in the clearing uh you moved into. If you did not take both actions, discard this card. Yeah, so that's a low action economy situation, which in Exiles and Partisans, I don't think that's gonna happen to you too much. Yeah. So I, 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 I yeah, meh, meh on that one. Right. Um, partisans. Yeah, in battle in X clearing, fox, rabbit, or mouse clearings, you may deal one extra hit, then discard all of your cards except for that suit. God, okay, so partisans can be so cool for Riverfolk because if it's like late game and you just need to like bust, you know, just bust some heads yeah. to get the rest <laughs> of your points from cardboard, partisans is great. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like, when when you're playing Riverfolk, you, you don't really feel too married to your own hand. Right. So having partisans as an option even is pretty cool, and I wouldn't worry about it too much. Oh, I got to discard some... I, I, again, I probably wouldn't use it unless I'm, I'm in a position where it's not going to hurt me too bad to have to discard some cards, uh, or it's the late game, and I just don't care anymore, that's, and it's time to murder. That's what I wanted to bring up is my favorite stuff to see from an Otters player is the late game partisans, where they're literally like, no, I don't want anyone to buy any of my cards anymore. Like, I have my action economy settled. I don't need people buying stuff from me. And better than send, sp setting everything at four is discarding my whole hand and not having a hand for people to pick away from. So it's just like right. sometimes you just clear your hand so that the next player to go can't get the card to win the game or whatever it is. Right. Um, propaganda Bureau. Once in daylight, you may spend a card to remove an enemy warrior from the matching clearing and place one of your warriors there. I actually think this might be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not, I, I think it's not a horrible trade-off, um, just to get some extra warriors, uh, especially because this is a situation where we've kind of gotten around, um, uh, the recruit cost, right? Because we, we spent a card, well, I can draw cards with right. commitments and not lose any action economy so not 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 bad um i not so good that i that i wouldn't sell it for three right. but but definitely not bad um false orders oh i didn't have it ready false orders in birdsong you may discard this card to remove uh to move half of an enemy's warriors rounded up from any clearing as if you were that player ignoring rule For false orders gets so weird too in general i feel like i'm always on the verge of getting lost in the weeds of like the technicalities of false orders, but you move sure. half a stack. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's just as good uh, for river folk as it is for everybody else. So yeah. I would say it's, it ranges from being pretty solid to situationally amazing and mm -hmm. like game winning uh, depending on what's going down. Right. Uh, obviously we've got a huge uh, death ball. And if we want to use that death ball in the late game to crush a bunch of uh, cardboard in order to get some more points, uh, false orders is going to help us if you know the duchies protecting their stuff or the cats or whatever um so yeah pretty solid uh, let's talk about informants in evening if you would draw cards you may instead take one ambush card from the discard pile yeah so i think this could be a cool way to make money in a situation where can you we do are this card? can you do informants in no, evening you if you would draw cards well, you can't you can't do informants yeah, all right yeah, yeah. let's this is a red mark uh, <laughs> uh no so you can't use this that's what i said and that's always what i said i definitely <laughs> didn't forget that 
<laughs> that it works the other way. No, so yeah, in informants not usable for Riverfolk. Ignore it. Sell it. Whatever. Yeah, doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Um, tunnels. Tunnels is where you use your crafting. Uh, you you treat any clearings with any of your crafting pieces as adjacent. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe in some fringe case that's super useful yeah, but yeah. i don't think tunnel, tunnels is just not very useful to it for anyone so yeah. i don't know um it, it, except it i guess the way it works for everybody is the same as it works for river folk which is maybe in some weird specific case right. that's gonna help you right uh, but you also already have your own way around rules so i don't know if it's super yeah. important um charm offensive at the start of evening you may draw a card and choose another player to score one point yeah i mean uh if you're in a low action economy uh spot that that might be pretty cool and and, and might help you uh in most cases i think you'll be doing good enough to where you might as well just try and sell that yeah. um, but again if, if no one's buying from you then maybe you gotta craft that um i'm gonna skip the next one sure. and go straight to swap meat okay swap meat is another card draw one and it is once in birdsong you may take a random card from another player and then give them a card so more a shuffle yeah. than a card draw uh pretty cool i i think it's i think it's good uh to just get some extra options uh you're you you go through a lot of cards so you're also going to have a lot of cards in your hand that you are not married to and don't care about so just another way to fish for some more uh, is cool again this one's probably on the line where it's also very much worth selling um so yeah i don't know it, it's hard to talk about these with riverfall because you could also always sell it so so swap me very sellable but also not horrible to have um league of adventurous mice once in daylight you may exhaust an item in your crafted items box to take a move or initiate a battle yeah so this is another uh helping out our action economy that isn't going too well um outside i will say this one's probably a little better than uh the other ones that we have available like this is better than eerie mcgeary yeah. uh, because we are a faction that crafts a lot of items right. most of the time so you're gonna have stuff in order to use this uh however we'd much rather sell it and we're we, the only time it's useful for, for us is in a situation where we're not selling much of anything yeah um murine broker whenever another player crafts an item draw a card yeah um decent i guess kind of the same kind of the same deal as league of adventurous mice but i'd say even less so. yeah I, I i don't love marine broker very much at all um especially with how easy it is to draw a card and and i would rather be crafting my i'm trying to craft my own items anyways i'm I, I, the way i think about riverfolk is i'm gonna craft the item before you get to buy it from me anyways so I, I'm. I, I think my own strategy is making it to where Murine Broker is not especially useful. So, meh. Wait, I'm confused by that. What? Can you read Murine Broker for me when again? An, do when I, do I, whenever I... another player crafts an item, draw a card. I oh, want right. to draw all the items and craft them. So when you craft them, it doesn't do anything for me. So. Yeah, sure, but at least you're getting something out of when sure. other people are beating you to totally. the thing. Totally. Again, this is one where it, it's. It's it's in that contradiction of like yeah. we don't we would much rather sell this yeah. but if we're in a situation where people aren't buying maybe this one becomes a little yeah. better. On the flip side though, master engravers, when you craft an item, score one extra point. Now that rules, yeah. and if you can get that one uh, done early, that's that's pretty cool for you. Yeah. Um, is it so cool that I would sell it no matter what? Probably not, but I definitely would want I'd want at least three for it. Yeah. Um, 
and and I I probably if I can make it happen, I'm definitely gonna try and craft it. Yeah. But I'm not gonna set myself at like four for like two turns. Yeah. Uh, to, just to, to block just, it. Just yeah. Um. But yeah, hope hopefully we can get that one. All right. Now let's talk about. <clears throat> oh, and then ambush cards are pretty straightforward. Uh, sell them. Uh, you have an open hand, so when you have an ambush card, it's not a surprise to anyone. Right. So they're kind of useless for you. I guess the bird ones are okay because then no matter what, no one can get around you. Yeah. But it's never a surprise when you have an ambush card. Uh, it's basically and just an added can do defense. Better with them. You're, you're almost never going to use ambush cards or like you shouldn't use ambush cards because people like when you have it, people would be kind of foolish to just like launch an attack into you unless they're like right. obviously over planning for it. But generally speaking, ambush cards are like only sellable by you because people really shouldn't be popping them <laughs> from your hand. Um, okay. Also, a lot of the times, even when they do attack you at a place where you have an ambush card, it's because they have an ambush card of their own in right. order to block your ambush. Right. So because they planned it out, right? They yeah. knew you had one. Um, all right, let's talk about coffin makers. Yeah. Read me coffin makers. It's, it's a long chunk of text here and it is <clears throat> whenever any warriors would return to a supply place them on this card instead at the start of bird song you score one point per five warriors here then return all warriors here to their supplies all right so coffin makers is such a strange card when it comes to river folk because of my and and maybe i'm maybe i'm going out on a limb here uh, and the root tournament council will uh, will shoot me down, but I think this is the best card uh, for Riverfolk, and I think also Riverfolk make this card even better in other people's hands. There's kind of this weird situation that they create, in my opinion, where if if they are in the game, then this card gets turned up yep. even more so than it would have been because it's the the effect is when something would be triggered or when something would be. Uh, return to the supply which obviously riverfolk has a lot of control of when a bunch of units return to the supply yeah everyone else has to like fight in order to make coffin makers work whereas riverfolk can just get can load extra points onto yep. coffin makers just by building trade posts and doing recruitments uh it's it's great uh for them in order to get uh an extra uh, push yeah. as far as uh, the victory point economy is going. I would going. call this and then, too good for other players to have, right? Do what? The, I would call this too good for other players to have because yeah, so of your presence, because of your mere, like you're describing, you're gonna at some point in the game, you're gonna pop off. You're gonna like spend a bunch of funds all at once and that means somebody else at the table is gonna score a bunch of extra points and like that's that's crazy. So I, I, in my mind, it's like, ooh, don't let others have this. You got to set the prices to four and craft it as soon as you can. Right. Uh, I, and I just think for, for them, it, it, it really, it really helps them lock down uh, those extra points that mm -hmm. they need in addition to uh, right. the, the trading post. So, yeah, I mean, if you're a river folk, you need to craft this, or if somebody else crafts it, you need to sabotage it, right. basically. Right. I get it off for the sure, board. 100%. Yeah. Okay, well, that, that was a successful Crafty Corner. Boy, howdy, did we we touched every card, or at least in the Exiles and Partisans deck. We crafted all the corners. We crafted every corner. Craft every corner. Uh, okay, it is time to talk about some of the limited pitfalls that the Otters have. And I said limited as my own words. I actually don't really know how Hunter feels um, at, at the weight of these pitfalls of Otters. So I'm curious to hear if, if Hunter feels like there's that many drawbacks to playing the Otters. 
Well, I mean, the major one is that our action economy is tied to the other players and how much they want to buy yeah. services from us. So if they decide to starve you, then that is a is a really different game. But I will say, like, that doesn't happen mm -hmm. a lot because we, we sort of already outlined it before, right? But there there's probably always going to be a player at the table that you can kind of work on in order to get them uh, to buy some services yeah. for you. So it's it's kind of, this is almost about how to stop Riverfolk because that's what we need to see more of at this point yeah. is players playing the right game against them and buying uh, the right amount. But but yeah, so, so starving you is very much easier said uh, than done. And honestly, the, the approach in the scenario where the table is completely disciplined in against you is more difficult than I think uh, we can really cover in an episode like this. So, so I would consider this episode has very much been about either a normal fed or even overfed uh, otters. Starved otters is probably another subject for another episode, yeah. to be honest. Um, right. We would probably have to specifically talk about that and almost experiment like playing with groups that are willing to starve otters. The fact in order that to we haven't strategies. seen it very much and can't cover it is sort of evidence of why it isn't that big of a concern of ours because we just don't yes. even, even in our tournament play, we aren't seeing high, high level players starve the otters. It just doesn't really happen. And in theory, it's very easy for players to do because it's, play your normal game of root as the faction that you are, right? If you just do the faction like you normally would play it, then the otters won't be a factor and you won't feed them. But it's just too enticing <laughs> to pass up. And especially if you're selling that idea we talked about earlier, which is don't just buy my services. You're buying my services so that I can take part in the economy of the game, in the entanglement. Yeah. You want yeah. me to be a factor in dealing with other factions. So you have to boost me up at least a little bit. You have to give me some power or else you're going to leave some power unchecked. I'm too good of a police force for you not to give me some control of the reins right i you, right. I, I have to have that or else you're gonna something else bad is going to happen something worse is going to happen so yeah it's really a question of action economy and like tempo yeah so there's there's the scenario where no one's giving you funds but there's also the scenario where you're spending your funds frivolously and and not on the right things which is honestly kind of hard to do i would imagine you would have to like throw just raw recruit like yeah. all of your otters and stuff like there's not a whole lot you can spend your stuff on that is bad per se right. maybe like inappropriate for your current needs which mm -hmm. that's like i mean you'd have to call me up and have me come into your game <laughs> and see where you're at in order for me to help you with that bro um but uh and then i mean i feel like in this guide we have sort of covered some of the small uh goof ups like Stuff like export, yeah. ignore, score dividends, ignore, and beyond that, I mean, it's it, it can yeah. be it can be a breezy fun time. The as pitfalls the otter of otters all. are not taking advantage of the best economic things you can do. It's it's making bad investments, right? Export and sure. scoring dividends are bad investments. They're not totally they're not like truly bad things to do that hurt you but they are less good than the other things you could do so you might as well focus yes. on everything else so if you do the things we talked about doing in this guide you're never going to be like totally toast you're never going to be out of the running because if you're getting fed just enough then you'll be right up there with everybody else so hunter where do we find our victory well okay so i'm looking at the sheet and there's 18 points on the sheet so <laughs> that's 12 points we find 
and then we win. Right. I mean, it's not really that much more complicated than that. We gotta we gotta sell, sell, sell our services. Um, there's there's really only two other things that that I can throw in here to kind of find those other twelve points, and that's the idea of milling the deck, drawing cards in order to craft items in order to score extra points. Which which Matt, you've brought up a very good point that you should not just like save that explicitly no. for the end of the game because right. if the other players craft all the other items then that's yeah. not going to work if for you're, you if you're the kind of player who likes to have a swing from behind moment right which otters are certainly capable of doing right you you can be playing kind of a slow you know a, a low ball otters that then are like all right and then i'm going to score 10 to 15 points in a single turn well don't have that swing reliant on items because you could you could be like stockpiling items in your stuff and like setting your prices really high or whatever for like the whole mid game but if other players get a hold of some items and craft them those items are gone for you so like i think there is a certain value to if you're running out of things to do search the deck so that you can try to get a coin as fast as possible so that then you sure. can build so that you can craft those coins right if 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 you don't know what the whole rest of your turn is going to look like and you have like six actions in front of you draw three cards before you do anything else because you might be able to then as your fourth action craft the coins things like that so right. so keep an eye out you really really do want to craft and i would say you want to have more spread out or early crafting than you do trade posts trade posts are the better swing, generally speaking, because you want to have built up a crazy action economy all game, and then at the end, you just burn all of your <laughs> funds on trade posts and have, like, a 10-point swing in, like, mostly trade posts. Yeah, it's it's kind of... You'll, you'll kind of find a natural tempo of yes. that, because, like, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Matt, but there's, there's a natural, like, you have to have the trade post yep. in order to craft the items, totally. so... I would say the simpler way to put it, although not entirely correct, would be that the way you win with Riverfolk is you do a little bit of of all the things that they're good at. Yeah. So you're throwing down a trade post, you craft a card, uh, you take your death ball somewhere and and crush a, a you know cat's workshop for another extra point there. So you kind of just like trade post. Trade posts are the majority of the points, and then you do a little bit of extra every yeah. turn, and then before you know it, you've got 30 points and the game's over. Right. Yeah, the big thing to do, and this is what I do as a commentator just looking at otters, is I think about those 18 points, and then I work backwards from there, right? Totally. And so every time I score a point off of some items, I go, okay, well, that was my coin, and I needed 12 outside of my trade posts, so now I need nine points. I just need to find nine points out there. And then if at yeah. some point you realize, like, oh, I'm not going to get that third fox trade post. It's just not going to happen. Okay, so that's two points less right so instead of the 18 i've got the 16 and you can just do that perfect math all game whereas other factions just kind of like score at intervals and they you have a perfect little math ecosystem where you can count out exactly the points you need so when you look at a turn you can look forward like to you can chess move two or three turns ahead of yourself to kind of determine like what points should i score right now versus next turn to kind of keep that flow that hunter's describing consistent yeah yeah uh, it's a, it's an interesting tempo and it's it's a fun it's a fun faction to play yeah. and honestly i've been playing them a lot lately and uh obviously i won't be anymore because we're done with this episode i'm gonna <laughs> get back into playing uh i think the moles a whole bunch yeah. uh coming up because i've pawned corvids off yeah, on thanks you. a lot you for gotta that, somehow figure way. out that really situation. oh boy I, hunter i'm having some fun with the corvids they're no, a not. fun faction that i can't wait to talk about their strategy you know the strategy that they have that's going to be very fun mm -hmm. to talk about. Yeah. 
Yeah. You're going to get outside the box. I feel it. <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> you really challenged me in this in this period of our lives when what's what's really unfortunate here, Hunter, is in this next section where we're like building up to do the Corvids and the Duchy guides, you're going to get to see a lot of other players play the Duchy in the tournament. Yeah. I'm not going to see hardly any Corvid games because Corvids don't get picked in tournaments because, hey, uh, spoiler alert, they're bad, and I'm not looking forward to doing this guy. Well, hey, I'll tell you this, though. There is a great Corvid game. I'm not going to tell you which one it is, and I'm not going to tell you anything about it because I don't want to spoil it for you at all. There is a there is a, a good I Corvid know. performance. I'm going to have to study uh, that game a lot because it's the best I've ever yeah. seen them do, and I need to figure out what the secret sauce was. My guess is it wasn't what the Corvid player was doing, and, and figuring out how to get <laughs> other players to do things will be the trick to the Corvids, but... Uh, until then, I want to thank our weird bears, Farganess, TG Welch, Brian, BotBot, Kaluin, Billy, Squeamishimu, Sonaletto, Mate Nason, John, and Rwise, and our little peace turtles, Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Polyphony Requiem, Gazkio, Uncle Batty, Dark Jutsu, Absol, Istoria, Visioness, Brave Sir Robin, Frank G, Carnal, my son is also Bort, CACJR, and Valir, and Sam Lee. Yeah, awesome. Thanks to everybody. Um, I also wanted to shout out to that Corvids player, Cars Mars, yeah. uh, because that's the best, uh, that's it, the best Corvids game I've ever, or will ever see. <laughs> it was a cool game. Um, all right. So, uh, this week on the Twitch, uh, we have root tournament games coming up this weekend. We have root tournament games five and six on Saturday, January 16th at 10 AM and 2 PM central standard time. And then on Sunday, we, Sunday, 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 we have root tournament games seven and eight uh that's on sunday january 17th at 10 a.m and 2 p.m central standard time uh on the youtube uh there's so many things yeah. in the that are waiting to go on the youtube right now tournament games uh there's that player tier list that i'm i guess i'm gonna put on the youtube because i think well just because i want the people sure. that liked that yeah. to have access to it forever i don't want you know i know i know some some people got a lot of enjoyment out of it. And obviously, because like we were talking about specific people. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about like 50 people right. specifically. So it's a good video for those 50 people right. and not that, really that for video else. should receive 50 views. And then that's yes. probably <laughs> it. And that's probably all that's it deserves to earn. And I'm okay with that. And honestly, I'm sorry to everybody else who didn't get specifically shouted that. Talking about those 50 people took like an hour and a half. And I'm sorry we didn't have more time to talk about more people. Um, I don't want right. people's feelings to be hurt that they didn't get talked about. Maybe we'll do yes. it again in the future. Maybe. Um, also, uh, the first episode of Play of the Week. Uh, was a success it was fun i did it uh it is still on the twitch right now but it will also be on the youtube uh future play of the week episodes will probably not be in a streaming format actually we're thinking of switching them to just being uh a, a sh maybe short uh, very show. edited presented piece yeah. uh, not very edited it's just going to be somebody either me or matt just looking at the camera and right. saying stuff and right. then video but um that that was fun and that happened um okay so uh, Galactic Council poll uh, will be closing up in a couple days. Uh, as I understand it, it's pretty well decided right now. But if you want to jump in the, into the Galactic Council and vote, here are your uh, options for Galactic Council episodes coming up. Um, Vagabond rankings, where we rank all the Vagabonds. Um, a review of the Twilight Imperium book, that is an option. Uh, a Root Winter Tournament overview uh, with Garrick, that's an option. Uh, and then the last one, uh, which has been blowing up the charts yep. is uh, Matt and Hunter's current favorite Twilight Imperium four factions and why. Yeah. Um, 
There you go. And then also, um, if you are in the Homebrewers Guild, uh, please throw in more audience agendas for our audience agenda, Twilight Imperium 4 game that will be on January 22nd at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, we are still taking, we have gotten a crazy amount yeah. of submissions that I will have to go through, um, but I am excited for it. Yeah, I want to reiterate again what those uh, audience agendas are supposed to look like. Again, don't word it as something that the players then interact with themselves with because the players are not voting on it, right? So it can't be like, if you vote for, do this to yourself. That's that's not what an audience agenda is. An audience agenda well, is a thing that we, the audience, impose upon the players. Can I say this? Could we do both? Because I was looking through them and I was kind of just thinking like, maybe we just do both. Well, I mean, especially a lot of people. The idea that these players, someone linked the uh, the tool to like make custom agendas. So people have been releasing them as actual agendas. So it certainly is possible that we could make these into cards that we then feed into the agenda deck. So that's not yeah. outside of the realm of possibility now. Uh, but I feel like that's like a separate project that needs to happen because it's a it's a pretty laborious thing to get to get them into the mod. I will say there are so many that are not worded that are that are worded for the players to do them now though. Yeah. That I have I had kind of made a private concession to myself that I was like, we'll just find a way to put we'll those in it. too. So it'll be <laughs> an overload of agenda nonsense. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's what you're gonna get. And it's it's gonna be dumb and it's gonna be a bit much. A but bit much. it's gonna gonna happen well i would love it if you gave our show a rating on aqua podcasts or itunes it gives us uh more visibility on the platform and you know what we've been climbing in the rankings and it's doing really good and i just i want to see us keep climbing even more especially if you want to support uh, us and the kinds of things that leader games is helping us do right now through their sponsorship of this show and our tournament so if you want to see these kind of connections get made the best way to do that is to share the show go buy stuff from leader games using our link leadergames.com slash scpt and and just do all those things. Uh, you can also find our website, spacecatspeaceturtles.com for information about our Patreon, our Twitter, our Discord, all the ways to interact with us. And right now, we are obviously also taking submissions for Play of the Week or This Imperium Life. Uh, I'm really bad at organizing. I put both of them. I have two folders on our email, one Play of the Week and one This Imperium Life, and I don't know why I have them separated because they're both just stories about Twilight <laughs> Imperium or Root in this case. But... Uh, we're specifically taking Prophecy of Kings stories that we want to start doing. We want to prep uh, and start doing more plays of the weeks at the end of episodes. And sp and more specifically, I want to do another This Imperium Life uh, before too long, where we just tell stories of what people have crazy stuff. I'll say this much. The new um, Isaril did a million things. That was, the, that was the base game play of the week that we always got was just like, and then the Isaril delayed and delayed and delayed, stalled, 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 and then did a bunch of actions. The new version of that is I will never in my life stop getting stories of people winning the game off of a become a martyr that is the new my new lot yeah. in life yeah. is become a martyr wins so i'm sure right. we'll do at least a couple of those going forward right yeah because just pulling off become a martyr is uh just amazing yeah it's the do. best feeling a player probably can have in the game yeah i was gonna say matt um i'm thinking about it and i'm and i'm wondering so have we shifted into space cats peace turtles an unofficial twilight imperium podcast <laughs> but an official leader games podcast well it's it's not the not the, not the i'm not trying to be presumptuous don't get freaked out leader games <laughs> a a temporarily official because we're testing the waters on sure, this yes. sort of thing podcast something it's like just that. funny we will forever be an unofficial ti podcast 
you know we are doomed at this point yeah this is kind of like we go to the same school with fantasy flight games mm -hmm. and while we've had a crush on them it's now senior year and nothing happened right. you know what i yep. mean it's just obvious We're about like, to go home for the they last just don't feel summer. the same way about us yep. But there's this new kid at college that we just met that's really cool and actually wants oh, we're to going hang to out college with us. now. Yeah, okay, I see. We're in college now and and Leader Games is like just like a cool person that we can talk to. Have you heard you know? of marijuana or Leader Games? I'm sorry. I'm not throwing Leader Games under that bus. <laughs> Leader Games is smoking jays with us in the dorm room, you know? That's what it is. And we're realizing like, man, Fantasy Flight Games, they were kind of stuck up anyways. <laughs> Sorry, I, I take that back. I, actually, I don't. What do I have to lose? <laughs>